I do want to take a few minutes today because of what we're doing as a church. Um, today we are in the middle of Sun Stand Still. We're in the middle of our, our um, sermon series where we're looking at what does it mean to believe that God really can do amazing things and that, that we might have the ability and the power to pray that the God of heaven would step down. And would do something in our lives. And we're, we're, we're doing that uh, as a church. We're believing that God is greater. We're believing that God is bigger than us. And we want to just voice that this morning. Um, one of our own, uh, Joe, who's at the soundboard today, is a school teacher in Deadwood. And he called me this week and uh, told me about a young man named Jacob. Jacob uh, had leukemia that was in remission and just found out in the last few days that uh, that leukemia has come back and that it's in his bones and that he's looking at a bone marrow transplant. And uh, when he called me, of course, he just he wanted us to pray. And I said, you know what? This really fits where we are as a church. Because if we're going to really believe that God can do anything, then God can do something for Jacob. And uh, Jacob's mom is a single mom. Is that right, Joe? And so they're, they're on this journey by themselves. And so I thought it would be no better thing for us this morning than just to start out by praying for Jacob and Jacob's mom as they start this incredibly hard journey together that we ask God to do something incredible in their lives. So let's pray this morning, okay? Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we, um, we don't really believe in religion because religion is man-made. We don't really um, ask today that um, some system would work in our lives because systems are man-made. What we pray today is that you, the God of all creation, the God of heaven and earth, the God that, that loves the whole world, the God that has the ability to... Uh, stop the sun, that God today that you would step out of heaven and that you would come and be with us and God in, in our presence today, Lord, that you would just inspire us, that you would encourage us and God that we might see that you really are the God of miracles and that you can do whatever you wish. And today we lift this young man, this, this uh, young boy who is battling something that is bigger than him. And that today, his, I know his mom probably feels a great weight on her, that if she could take this away from him, that she would. That she'd take it upon herself and that she would bear that burden, but she can't. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, because that's what you told us that we could do. You said that if we abide in you and our words abide in, uh, in our hearts, your words abide in our heart, that, God, that we can ask whatever we wish and that you will do that. You say in your word that the, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. And God, we're not righteous because of us, but we're righteous because of you. And so today we believe that you have the power to do amazing and incredible things in our lives. And so we pray that little Jacob today, wherever he is, God would feel your hand in his life. That his mom at this moment, just after 10 o'clock on Sunday morning today, God, that she would feel an incredible presence in her life of you loving her 
and standing beside her. Lord Jesus, we not only pray that for Jacob, but God, I believe in this room today that there are people who are struggling with things. There are people who are struggling with problems in their life. They, they're overwhelmed by uh, a relationship problem, a job problem, a financial problem, a, a situation in their life that they just don't know what to do. God, we believe that you are able, and we pray in the name of Jesus today that you would come down, and that you would do something that would be unexplainable apart from the hand of God at work in our lives. Lord, we believe that. We begin that today in our hearts, and we pray that as we sing songs of praise to you, as we worship you with all of our heart, God, that you would begin that journey in our life today of walking us down the walk of faith, to place our hand in your hand, and to hold on tight, and to not let go until you bless us. We pray this this morning, believing in our heart, in your precious name, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. We are glad you're here, and I'm excited to share with you today's message. I, I just, um, God's really done a work in my life because I, I just, I'm so excited to be at the point in my life where God is just showing Himself. And, and I want you to know that's not just something for a preacher to say. That is something for everyone to experience. And so today I want us to make sure that as we begin that uh, our hearts and minds are in the right place. And, and so I want to just back up and, and let you know, for those of you who may have not have been here over the past several weeks, where we have come from, we have been looking in Joshua chapter 10 at the story where Joshua, the man of God, chosen by God, to lead the nation of Israel, as, as they began this, this battle, Joshua stood before God and he said, God, I, I believe in you in such an incredible way because of all the things that you have done in my life and in the life of this nation. And, and I believe that you are, are able to literally do whatever you desire. And so, God, I ask you today to stop the sun and allow us to win this battle. And so in the middle of that day, in Joshua chapter 10, God stops the sun, and, and for almost a day, the stun, sun stood still because God said, I am going to, I'm going to fight. I'm going to answer the prayer of that man who stood with courage and asked God to do an incredible, miraculous thing. And so we, we, we jump from that context where Joshua, who didn't just show up one day and said, you know what, I think I'll ask God to stop the sun. He, he had been through this whole process in his life. And so we started with that story, but we, we also started in Joshua chapter 1, where God essentially said to Joshua, hey, listen, all that you know has changed. Everything in your past has changed. And he said that in one statement. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. In other words, the guy that you followed, the guy who led before you, he's gone. And then if you remember in Joshua chapter 1, several times God said this phrase. Does anybody remember what the phrase was? What was it, buddy? That's awesome. You win, man. I wish I had a prize for you. 
You, you, that's awesome. Be strong and courageous. Can you say that with me? Be strong and courageous. Now, if he can remember it, then you guys can, all right? So he set the bar high. But he, God said, listen, if you're going to follow me and you're going to do what I want you to do, I'm not only going to give you what you need to do that, but I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to implore you to be strong and courageous. And so Joshua went with that in his hand and he headed towards Joshua 10. But before he got there, God said, listen, I'm going to give you this city. Uh, but before I give you this city, I'm going to have you cross this river. And as you cross this river, the, the river is going to part. And you're going to walk across on dry land because I am God. I'm the God of miracles and I can do whatever I want to. And so God parted the river. God went to the, the whole nation of Israel, like a million people, walk across this river on dry land. They walk up to a city that God had given them. And essentially God said, you walk around it and you yell and the walls will fall down. And literally, that's exactly what happened. And so Joshua didn't just show up one day and say, you know what, I'm just going to believe that God uh, will do amazing things. God had proven himself. And so when we get to Joshua chapter 10 and he asked for the sun to stand still, Joshua had been through a process in his life. And I I know that every, I say all that, I, I say that repetitive thing over and over every week because I want you to know that you're on a journey. And God wants to teach you to trust Him. And He doesn't always show up with the biggest miracle at first. Sometimes He wants you to trust Him in the little things so that He can do big things. Because if we never trust Him in the small things, then we'll never trust Him to do the big things. So this morning, I'm not here to really sell you religion. I'm not here to try to convince you uh, to follow a certain denomination or a certain church. I'm not here to to try to give you an object to worship, uh, a physical object. I'm, I'm not here to tell you of some unknown subject in our world. Here's what I want you to hear. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all the earth, and His Father in heaven, God, is the God of miracles, and He can do whatever He wishes. And if you believe those two things, then it will transform your life and your future forever. So I'm not, here to, I'm not here to try to convince you of anything other than Jesus is Lord and God is God. And so I want to jump from that context this morning. Because if God truly is God, and He has proven Himself to be awesome and amazing and all-powerful and miraculous, and, and He did all the miracles that we talked about this morning and hundreds more in, in the Bible, if, if God did all of that, then he wants to do that in your life. Well, how how do we do that, Pastor? I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the seats in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, we want you to take that one home with you. John is the fourth gospel in the New Testament. The New Testament is the back half of the Bible. Um, If someone in the Pew Bibles finds John chapter 9, tell me what page that's on so we can... 766. Thank you, Benjamin. And, and uh, again, if you, don't own that Bi- if you don't own a Bible, I want you to take that one home. That's our gift to you today. But I want to read you a story this morning that Jesus, um, th- that Jesus was, one, was the main character, but he meets this guy. Because if, if we're all honest, what we want to do is see Jesus. If, if Whether you want to admit it or not, you were created to, to know God. And if you ask Jesus into your heart, 
one of the things that you that I hear over and over as a pastor, God or pastor, I, I just want to see God. I, I want to know God. I want to know His will. The things that we prayed for when we prayed at the beginning of the service, and I said some of you are struggling with decisions and and issues and relationships and problems. You 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 in your heart are just saying, I wish I could just stand up and say that's me. Because I don't know what to do. I, I don't know where to go. And, and I really do want to see God. I really do want to know what He wants me to do. How He wants me to live. And so this question of, can I see God, is, is what every blind man wants to know. I want you to look with me in John chapter 9. John chapter 9, the story goes like this. And as He, who is Jesus, passed by, He saw a man, blind from birth. And His disciples asked Him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. I want you to, I want you to keep that thought in your mind, the end of verse 3. I want to read it to you again. It's not that this man sinned or that his parents sinned, but, it, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Keep that in your mind. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming. The, the night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva. And then he announced that the man's eyes, uh, th- excuse me, then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the, in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back what? Seeing. <laughs> cool day, huh? And, and, and the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, he is not like him. He kept saying, I am the man. <laughs> you thought that was a modern phrase? <laughs> this guy said a long time ago, I am the man. Okay, anyway, that was free. Uh, so they said to him, Yeah, you get a lot of free stuff. Uh, and, So they said to him, then how were your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go wash in Siloam and go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. And they brought him to the Pharisees. Now, I mean, this guy's going through all this mess. Okay. The the key that happened happened in verse seven, right? He went to the pool of Siloam and he came back and what? He could see, all right? But, but they're like putting him through the ringer here. So they brought him to the Pharisees, or they brought him to the church, they brought him to the legal experts of the day, and the man who had formerly been blind. And now it was that a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked again of him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how, do, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there is a division among them. And so they said to the blind man, what do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes, he said, he is a prophet. And the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and that he had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who received his sight. And they asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know how he opened his eyes. Ask him, 
he is of age. Remember, he said, I am the man. Remember early? Okay, that was free too. And he will speak for himself, verse 22. And his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, that he would be put out of the synagogue. And therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. There was a struggle in the story. There is what the words of Jesus in verse 3, because there's a question as, as people who came to Jesus who were actually trying to trick Jesus. They were trying to catch Jesus in a lie. They were trying to get Jesus to do the wrong thing. They were out to get him. They really wanted to kill him because Jesus was sowing a, a, a stirring up so much turmoil in that day that they wanted to take him out of the picture. And however they could do that, they were trying to discredit him. They were trying to take him out. And so they came to Jesus and they, they found this guy who, who really was not involved. This guy was just sitting there. He's a blind man. He's a beggar. The only way that, they, that he had to survive in that day and time was to beg for money. His family essentially had to approve of that because they were not providing for him, and he's out begging. And so these guys go, hey, let's, let's, we'll get him here. This blind guy, what did he do wrong? Why is he blind? What did his parents do wrong that he cannot see? And Jesus said in verse 3, nobody did anything wrong. This man is here because he's about to show the power of God. Now, that's interesting, okay, because this guy, I'm sure he got up every day and probably either felt his way to his place of begging or he had a friend or a family member who would carry him into a prominent place so that he could beg. And I'm sure that day he didn't get up and say, you know what, I'm blind so that God may be glorified. I'm fairly confident that that was not the conversation that went on in his mirror that morning as he is... Well, I guess he wouldn't need a mirror. That, that was really bad. I'm sorry. If you know what I mean, that was... Okay, I'm not even going to try to dig out of that hole. Do you know the rule of holes? When you're in one, stop digging. That's... Okay. Anyway, moving on. So I'm sure that morning when he was getting ready to go to beg that he didn't say, I, I'm going to glorify God with my blindness today. But Jesus took what these snakes, these guys who are trying to trick Jesus, who are, who are really evil in their heart, they're, they're not trying to follow God or glorify God. They're trying to get Jesus out of the picture. When, when they find this blind guy, God's, Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm going to glorify God through this guy. And he didn't do anything wrong. You know, we, we live in a world that asks some very, very hard questions. Why would a kid like this young man that we prayed for this morning, why would he get a horrible disease? Listen, we don't know. I, I don't have a good answer for you, but I know that God says that all things work for good, even when they don't look good to us. And this guy, he's just sitting there minding his own business. He's just hoping somebody will throw a few coins in his basket so that he can eat today. And Jesus said, listen, verse 3, he is here so that the works of God might be displayed. But, but then Jesus, he, he, does a, he does a cool thing. He, he said, he, he essentially put off the religious guys. And he said, it's really not about you either. And so now I'm going to pay attention to the guy who really needs help. 
And so he makes this little mud pack and he puts it on his eyes. And he said, listen, if you'll go down to the creek and you, or the crick, it's the crick, right? If you go down to the crick, I'm learning, and, and you'll wash your eyes, then your life will be changed. And so the guy goes, got nothing to lose. I mean, I got up this morning and no different. Now Jesus is here. I've heard about him. And now I'm going to do that. Verse 7 says that he came back with his sight. He had been born blind. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the, the incredible experience of washing your face in the water and for the first time in your life seeing colors, seeing pictures, seeing people? Can you imagine that experience? I saw two things over the last couple of weeks. I saw a young lady who got some sort of an electronic ear plant. And she had her whole life never heard a sound. And I watched this YouTube video as she gained her hearing for the first time. And it was just overwhelming to watch as for the first time in her life, she heard the voice of her mother. She heard the voice of her friend, and she just began to weep. This is a, this is a lady in her 20s. She's not a, a child. And for the first time, she was able to hear clearly. I heard the story of a, of a uh, lady in Africa who had gotten uh, cataracts on her eyes and because of no access to health care had essentially become blind and she had a new baby and there there was an organization that gave her uh, a cataract surgery so that she could see and the moment that they took the patches off of her eyes from the cataract surgery she's holding her baby in her arms and she just begins to weep because for the first time in her life she saw her baby's face can you imagine the emotion, the experience of being able to see for the first time? And as she begins to, as, as this blind man sees for the first time, can you imagine the experience? And then all these religious church people come and they just want to put him through the ringer. How did you get your sight back? Who did this? What qualifications does he have? And the guy's going, I don't know. I mean, why are you asking me? Why, why am I being grilled? All I know is that I was just sitting over there in my spot, and Jesus comes by, and he puts a little mud on my eyes and sends me down to the creek and says, if you do what I say, then you will see. And it worked. That's all I know. I don't know his pedigree. I don't know where he went to school. I don't know what medical background he has. All I know is that once I was blind and now I see. In the book we're reading, Sun Stands Still, which if you haven't got a copy, we've got several copies over there, and I'd encourage you, even if you don't, can't fit the small group into your schedule, I'd encourage you to read the book because it's a very inspiring book about a pastor in, in, on the East Coast who, who was reading a book of a man named Jim Cimbala, who is the pastor of Brooklyn Tab, uh, Tabernacle Church in New York. And uh, he's reading this book that is essentially the story of this new church start and how the pastor essentially said this phrase, and, and, and I want to read it to you because it changed his life. He's reading this phrase that this pastor had said. He said, I despaired at the thought of my life that I might slip by without seeing God show himself mightily 
on my behalf. He had this moment in his life where he realized that, you know what, I I can go through the motions. I can go to the same place every day. I can do the same thing every day. But there there is a desire in my heart to see the God of heaven, to see the God of all creation, to see the God who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. I want that God to do an incredible, mighty work in my life. And I do not want to die before I see that. And I know that if I stay on the path that I'm on today, that I will continue on that path and I could wake up in 20 and 30 and 40 years or I could leave this earth and never see the hand of God at work in my life. I want to tell you why this resonates with me is because I had a similar experience. Before I ever read this book, The Sun Stands Still, before I ever heard of this pastor, I had this same experience in my life two years ago. I was pastoring a church and in Texas, my family was happy. Um, you, you know, when mama's happy, then everybody's happy. Yeah, you got it. You know, and, and so, you know, church was good. People were being saved and their lives were being transformed by the gospel. The church had grown. Things were, things were great. My family was happy. My children were doing well in school and, and we had friends. And But I just had this longing in my heart that I realized that I could wake up in 25 years and be in the same place. And there's nothing wrong with staying in the same place, but my point was that I could wake up and never have really seen the hand of God at work in my life. Now, there were good things going on. I mean, there were good, there were lives being transformed, but I recognized for me that I had that exact same thought that I wanted to see not just the same old, same old. I didn't want to just be a part of a religious machine. I didn't want to just be a part of the same thing that had happened for the last 25 years and do that for another 25 years and essentially like be in the factory and just continue to to stamp or to build or to make and, and nothing really be of significance that happened. And so at 38 years old, I said, you know what, God, I don't even know what this means. But for me... I give you all of my life. I I push all the chips in. I I give everything that I've got. And I I don't even know what this means. And it kind of scares me a little bit to say this to you, God. but, But whatever you want from me, I'm willing to give it because I just want to see the mighty hand of God at work in my life and in my family's life. Can I tell you this? That at some point as a church, and I'm not just talking about Connection Church, I'm talking about the church in America, very general, okay? At some point, we stopped saying, God, we want to see you move. We stopped saying, you know what, God, we believe that when we pray to you, that you can really do amazing and incredible things. We, we, We pray for people, but then we give God an out, we, we, we pray prayers that are so weak and, 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 and limp that if I was God, I would go, I don't even know if I want to hear that because you don't even believe what you're saying. Listen to me, church. What happened was that we had this disconnect. We are using the religious terms and we are turning the religious machine, but we are no longer believing that the God who literally said, I will do this for you, we stopped believing that. And what we created was what God did not want. We created church of religious systems. We created churches of 
of programming. We created churches that pleased us because this is what we want. We want a church with this uh, ability or this uh, benefit for me. And can I tell you this? That somewhere we got off track because church was never intended to be that. In fact, if you're writing things down, I want you to write this scripture down. Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7. God said, I have called my house, my church, to be a house of prayer. Now, this is hard for me. I'll tell you why. Because I like to preach. Okay, God's called me to preach. But he didn't say, I've called my house. I, my house will be called a house of preaching. He didn't say that. Okay? If you look in the scripture, it's, it didn't say that my house will be called a house of ministry. He didn't say that my house will be called a house of missions. It didn't say that my house will be called a house of serving. He said my house should be called a house of what? Prayer. Prayer. Now, you know, I didn't do all that well in school. I mean, there wasn't academic scholarships for Doug, okay? But that's pretty simple, isn't it? God said that I want my house to be a house of prayer. Now, is preaching good? Some Sundays. Is, is missions good? Is serving good? Is, is ministry good? Yes, they're all good. But God said the center of who we are to be as a church is that we are to be a house of prayer. Now, stay with me because I'm going to connect all of these. Here's what you need to know. Look around. Just look at this building, Okay. This is not the church. We rent this. We don't even own this. We could get kicked out, I guess, if we stop paying our rent. You know, if, th this is not the church. You know where the church is? You're the church. Do you know Connection Church is not just here by accident? I mean, it started with that 38-year-old in, in Texas who said, you know what, God, whatever you want to do, then I'm willing to do that. And it started with that dream, but God already had a dream here. And here's what you also need to know is that when God shared that, that vision with me that what I was supposed to do, here's what began to happen is that now there are 250 plus people who every week, every month are praying for you. Did you know that? They don't live here. They've never met you. Many of them will never come here. But they are praying for you. And I want you to know that there are 250 people who are on a list, and that list is growing and growing and growing. They're praying that God would do a mighty work in Connection Church and Spearfish so that people will come to know Christ and the gospel will go forward and that this will not just be a religious machine, but that God will do an incredible miracle. In fact, in your seat, I'm going I'm to encourage you to actually do something that I would not normally do, and I'm going to ask you to take there's two sheets of paper in your seat. And this morning, as, as we've been talking about the things that are burdening your heart, there are two pieces of paper. And what I want you to do is I want you to write at least one request on that piece of paper. But then I want you to write that same request on that second piece of paper. So while I'm talking right now, you just take a pen out and I want you to do that. If you have something that's on your heart that you really want God to know about, that you really want to pray about, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take one of those sheets of paper. You don't have to put your name on it. It could be anonymous. It doesn't matter because they, you may never meet the other person who's going to pray for this. But I'm going to send those requests out to those 250 people who are on our prayer list and they're going to pray for you. You know why? Because prayer changes things. And we're going to pray for you. Now, the other sheet I want you to keep because we're going to do something with that in just a minute. Now, I've got a long way to go, and I'm, I'm running out of time. So I, I want to 
I want to give you the rest of this. That page 23, that, 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 that uh, statement of we, we want God to do an incredible, miraculous thing in our life. It's that statement that can change our life. It's that revelation moment. It's, it's that fear that we might live our whole life and never see, never receive the power of God, never see the power of God that we may never experience the work of God. And, and you don't have to turn here, but there is a passage in Genesis chapter 32 where Jacob, who is God's man, he's, he's God's leader, he, he gets into a wrestling match with God. And now wrestling, in my mind, brings up that whole, you know, old school, you know, jumping off the, the thing. I don't know what went on, really. All I know is there's a story in Genesis chapter 32 says that Jacob wrestled with God and that God was was. Why he was doing that, I don't really know, but all I know is that Jacob was wrestling with God, and God said, okay, I'm done, you need to go back, and Jacob, Jacob clamped onto him. Listen to me. Jacob clamped onto him and said, God, I will not let go of you until you bless me. I am not letting go until you do something powerful in my life. Now, here's what I want you to hear, and here's how all this is going to intersect. For some of you, you pray prayers that you don't believe are even going to leave the room. You pray prayers that you don't think the words are ever going to leave the extent of the room that you're in. For some of you, you need to begin to pray prayers believing that if God is who he says he is, if he is who we have been talking about for the past several weeks, that if he's the God of miracles and he literally is able to do whatever he wishes, and we begin to pray that way and believe that way and believe that God is going to do something, then you need to clamp onto the God of heaven and say, God, listen, I'm going to pray this prayer and I am holding on to you. And until you bless me, until you give me an answer, I am not letting go. And I'm going to live my life in that way. And so I'm going to grab a hold of you. And I'm going to begin to pray with passion for my family. I'm going to begin to pray with passion for this situation in my life that I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know about my job. I don't know about the financial situation that I'm in. I don't know about the problem that I'm facing. I don't know about the physical ailment that's in my body. I don't know. But God, you know what? I'm, I'm going to hold on to you and I'm going to pray with passion. And I'm not letting go until you bless me. And I'm going to pray with earnesty. I, I'm going to pray with, with, with incredible passion from my heart. These questions that are in me that I don't know the answer to, I'm going to begin to pray for them. And I'm going to pray that the God of miracles will show up in my life because I don't want to end the, the rest of my life. I don't want to live to the end of the rest of my life without God doing an incredible work in my life. And you know what? As your pastor and as your friend, I don't want you to end your life without that happening in your life as well. I want you to experience it. You know what the scripture says in James chapter 5, verse 16? It says, I quoted this earlier, it says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. John chapter 15, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. So you want to know how you pray or what you pray? Somebody asked me this week, Pastor, what can I pray for? Listen, it gives you that in John chapter 15. It says, listen, if you are abiding, if you are walking with Jesus, that means your mind is in the right place. That means your heart is in the right place. That means your motives are in the right place. That means that, that you're thinking the right things. If you abide in me and my word, where's the word? Hold up your word. You got a copy of God's word? That's the word of God. If, if you have that and you're pouring it into your heart and you're pouring it into your life, then you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
Pastor, does God want my neighbor to be saved? Yes. We don't have to pray about that. Scripture says that God desires that all men come to know him. You want to know if your son or daughter, uh, mom and dad, if you, if you want to know if, if your son and daughter, if God wants them to be saved, you bet he does. The Bible says that God wishes good and not evil on us. Why do bad things happen? I don't have all the answers, but I know this. When you come up against a question that you don't know the answer to, you do like Jacob did and said, listen, God, we're going to wrestle about this. And I may walk away limping because you touched my hip, and I may limp for the rest of my life, but I am not letting go until you bless me. And I'm going to begin to pray with passion, and I'm going to begin to pray with, with an incredible intensity of my heart because I believe that you are the God of miracles and that you can do amazing things. Church, here's what I'm saying. I'm not talking about some crazy religious thing. I'm not talking about we're going to, we're going to ask God to give everybody a Lexus, okay? It's not going to happen, okay? I, I don't have the ability to do that. I, don't, I can't even buy a used Lexus, okay? So it, it, but what I'm saying is this. I'm not asking you to do something crazy. I'm asking you to do something that you want to happen in your life. If you truly want to follow God, if you truly want to see God, if you truly want to see the hand of God reach into your life and do something, then ask God for it and believe that he can do it. Let's stop talking about it. Let's stop wishing that, man, I just wish. I wish that God would do this. I wish that I could see Jesus in my life. I wish that I could grow in my walk with him. I wish that God would do a miracle in my midst. Listen to me. Stop talking about it. Grab a hold of the hand of God and do not let go until he blesses you. That's not crazy. It's biblical. It's in the Bible. I didn't make this up. This isn't just a sermon of Doug's thoughts. It is God's word that has intersected. Listen, that's what Joshua knew. Joshua said, hey, you know, God said Moses is dead. You got to do it. Be strong and courageous. He walked up to the river and said, God, what are we going to do? You're the God of miracles. The water splits. He walks up to a city, yells, and the walls fall down. And then he steps into battle and says, God, I believe you can even stop the sun. And the sun stops. You know what happened? Joshua stopped forming committees. Joshua stopped forming this, this, this mindset of, well, maybe someday God might. And he grabbed a hold of God and said, I believe in you. I believe that you are the God of miracles and that you can do whatever you want to do. And today I'm asking you to do that in my life. And you know what? God wants to do that for you. So why don't we just quit messing around? Why don't we quit talking about it? And just like this blind man, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like the blind man. You know, because I, I sit as a pastor across the table, across the chair from people who are asking all these hard questions. And here's the bad thing. I, I don't have all the answers. You know, why, why do bad things happen to good people? I don't know. Why does this little boy have cancer? I don't know. Why are you dealing with the problem in your life? I really don't know. But here's what I do know. That God has done a work in my life. And God will do a work in your life. And if we will grab a hold of him and not let go, that God will bless you. I feel like the blind man. I mean, everybody in this whole story, this is what I want to say in John chapter 9. I just want to stand up in the back when they're grilling him and saying, hey, did anybody forget that the blind man now sees? I mean, is it just me in this story? And I'm going, are these guys all idiots? I mean, did they miss the incredible miracle of God because this guy's sitting on the edge of the street one day and he's walking around seeing the next? Listen, church, what I want us to be is a room full of blind men going, you know what? I really don't know how it all happened. All I know is that once I was blind and now I I want to be a church filled with people who have those kind of stories. 
that we can't explain. In fact, you know what? Those are the best stories anyway. When we can kind of say, here's what happened, and here's how, here's how it all worked out, and, and here's, what, here's what, you know, God may have been a part of it, but it was just an occurrence of events. Listen, there is no chance. There is no, I guess it might happen. Listen, if God is going to do it, he is going to do it. And I want us to have the kind of stories that say, you know what? Once I was blind, and now I see. And I don't know how it happens. Oh, I, I don't know if it was Estee Lauder facial mud that Jesus put on my eyes. I don't know if it was Quick Creek grout that God put together and mixed up in there, and I went down to the river. All I know is that the mud was put on my eyes. I went down to the river, and Jesus said to wash my face, and I washed my face, and when the water was gone, then I could see. Church, we need to have those kinds of stories. And you know what? There's no reason why we shouldn't. There's no reason why there should not be a miracle in your life. And in your life, 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 and in my life, and in every life in this room. Because if we would grab a hold of God and say, I am not letting go until you bless me, then God will do an incredible work in our life. One last verse. I'm out of time. But I have to share this with you. How does that happen, Doug? You're real energetic. You, you, you get it, and, and I see it in your life, but what about me? I, I don't know what to do. If you're writing stuff down, write down this verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, because we get very confused of where to start. But I want you to write this verse down. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All the junk in your life, all the mess that you have made, all the stuff that has been handed to you that you didn't have any control over that it happened to you, all the things that you have been pressed down on you, your past, all the mistakes that you made. Listen, don't worry about any of that. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek God first. And all that other stuff will find its place. You want to know how to begin to pray? Begin to seek God first. You want to know what to do with the problems in your life? Seek God first. You want to know how to have God do a miracle in your life? Seek God first. And then when you begin to seek him, you know what? I don't, I don't think God is scared at all for you to grab a hold of him and to say, God, I'm not letting go until you bless me. For some of you, this is radical. <laughs> this is crazy. It is crazy. In fact, I, I put on Facebook and Twitter this week, I'm just crazy enough to, to believe that God can do this. For me, for you, for this whole church, for this whole city, for this whole nation, I, I believe God can do it. But we've got to stop talking about it. And we've got to grab a hold of the hand of God. Say, God, I'm not letting go. Till you bless me. I want to end the service in a little bit different way this morning. I know that every week we share the gospel, and I want you to hear that. And, and, and if you don't know Jesus today, then please do not leave without talking to someone. If you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, there's nothing you can do that's more important than that, and I want you to know that. But for some of you, I just feel the burden this morning. That for some of you, you are walking through some tough days, and you've got some problems in your life, that you don't have a clue what to do with. And you may have shown up to church today with, that, that this, is the last, this is the last chance. You know, I, God, I don't know if you're real, but if you're real, then I'm going to ask you to do something incredible. Here, here's your time. 
And so what I'm going to do, that last piece of paper that you wrote your, your um, request on, I want you to pass those to the end. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ask uh, um, you just to pass them in. And, and the, the guys who are taking up the offering, when you take up the offering, we're going to pick those up. But guys, we want to separate those out. Because here's what I'm going to ask you to do for your neighbor that's sitting next to you. That you may not know them, and that's okay. But, but uh, don't, don't look at their thing as they pass it to the end. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to promise you that we're going to pray for these requests. We're going to pray earnestly that the God of heaven will step into your life. Now listen, my prayers are not any better than your prayers, okay? And so I, I'm going to ask you to be praying in the next few minutes. Somebody next to you put a request down on that sheet of paper, and I want you to, you don't have to know what it is. God knows, okay? And so I want you to pray for your neighbor. I'm going to pray for us together. But just pass those things to the end. Pass them to the outside. And uh, we're going to take those. And we're going to pray for those requests. Okay? Now here's what I want to do. I want to pray for us. And we're going to pray believing that God can do miracles. Right? That's what we've been talking about. That's what Doug's been hyped up about for the last few minutes. Now we're going to do it. Here's what I want you to hear. God is the God of miracles. And whatever your situation is, whatever your problem is, whatever your burden is, right now, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and I'm going to ask you to voice that to God. God is the God of miracles and He can do whatever He wishes. He, he can do a miracle in your life today. I'm going to encourage you to be strong and courageous. Don't, don't hide it anymore. But I'm going to ask you to stand strong. And I'm going to ask you to give that to God. We're going to pray for that request. Heavenly Father, we don't want to be like everybody else. We don't want to continue on the road of, of religious activity. We don't want to be a church that just says, you know what, maybe God will show up, and if he doesn't, then that was just, uh, we were just out of God's will. God, we are boldly coming to the throne of grace today because you have said that we can. We are praying in the name of Jesus because you said that that's how we should pray. We are admitting to you that we are not perfect and that we are sinners because you ask us to confess that. God, that we are bringing our requests to you. Lord, in this room, there are all kinds of requests. There are all kinds of things that people are praying for this morning. They're praying for a lost son or a lost daughter. They're praying for a struggling marriage. They're praying for a financial situation that just seems out of control. God, they're praying for health issues. They're praying for all kinds of things. But God, we know that you already know that. So Lord, we lift these requests to you and we pray that God, that we would leave these in your hands and God, that we would earnestly, passionately pray today you would do a miracle in the lives of people. We believe that. We believe in faith. We are walking with you. And God, today I pray that every person in this room who is praying in that way, Lord, that they would, they would reach out their hand to heaven today and that they would grab a hold of you and they would say in their heart, I am not letting go until you bless me. God, we don't want to be like everybody else. We don't want to live our life for the rest of our days with missing out on your best for us. But today we reach out and we grab a hold of you and we say, God, we are not letting go until you bless us.
We're not letting go until you do a miracle in our lives. And, and God, I, I'm, just, I'm just forewarning you, <laughs> not that you don't already know this, but God, we're never going to let go. We're going to keep asking for miracles in our lives. And God, we're going to share those stories. And God, we're not going to be able to explain how you did it all, but that's really what we want. But we're going to be like that blind man. <laughs> hey, I, I don't know how it all happened. Once I was blind, and now I see. God, may that be the testimony of this place. May that be the testimony of these people. God, that you did an incredible, miraculous work in our lives. And although we cannot explain it, we believe it was you. And we love you. And we praise you for it. God, I pray for those this morning who need salvation in Jesus Christ. There is no, no greater name than the name of Jesus. And there is no way to heaven apart from you. And God, I pray today if there are those in our midst need to make that decision to follow Christ, that they will do that today. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name I pray.